1: Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, covering agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle to the Rio Grande Valley.
2: The Natural Resources Conservation Service has a new state conservationist. I am Jessica Duhlmull, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today.
3: There is a noticeable change of seasons occurring here in the Central Texas Blackland region. This is Dr. Shay McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. Cotton
4: sustainability progress documented and verified. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and
1: I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domel with a look at news headlines.
2: There is a new state conservationist for USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service, or NRCS, in Texas. Christy Oates started her career with NRCS in 1995. As the new state's conservationist, Oates will be responsible for NRCS operations in Texas, including the Administration of Conservation Technical Assistance to Landowners, Conservation Financial Assistance Programs, Conservation Easement Programs, the Natural Resources Inventory, Soil Survey Mapping, and the Plant Materials Program. She said she looks forward to leading with a vision to deliver high-quality service to support agriculture, agricultural producers. She said she also looks forward to collaborating with ag and conservation groups to protect Texas' natural resources. Red meat production in Texas fell last month, according to a new report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. More than 400 million pounds of red meat were produced in September. That's down 4.4 million pounds from August. But it's 13.6 million pounds higher than the same time last year. 491,600 head of cattle were harvested in September in Texas. That's up 12,100 head from September of last year. The average live weight was 1,317 pounds. That's 10 pounds higher than 2019. The Texas Pecan Growers Association has released its third annual Holiday Pecan Trail Map to help consumers find pecans, gifts, and other holiday treats. You can find it on tpga.org. The Environmental Protection Agency is mulling over a potential label change for E15 at gas pumps. The possible move is seen as a way to appease the biofuel industry's concerns, that current labels discourage use of the fuel, according to a report by Reuters. Current labeling warns of possible engine damage to older vehicles. An announcement could come soon, but there's no detail yet on how the Trump administration might alter the labeling. Expanding the market for E15 is a policy goal for farmers and the ethanol industry, including calls for the national standard to move from E10 to E15. According to Growth Energy, going from an E10 blend to an E15 blend would increase ethanol production by 7 billion gallons and corn demand by over 2 billion bushels a year. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Duhlmull. 2020 was one
1: of the worst years ever for corn diseases on the Texas Gulf Coast.
2: We had tremendous disease pressure this year, Carrie. Something that a lot of guys haven't seen this bad in their entire careers.
1: That's pioneer field agronomist Eleanor Camp.
2: You know, I think it was a perfect storm this year. We had um, temperatures that, especially northern corn leaf blight, just favored it from the temperature to the the moisture um, and then it just seemed that once we got northern it just escalated so quickly and it was really hard to get it under control
1: but despite the record disease pressure and dry weather often camp says pioneer corn varieties performed
2: corn yields were fantastic for the most part in my geography really pleased with what they saw and um, they were at least average if not on the better sp- better side of things despite all things considered.
1: Pioneer field agronomist often Oftenkamp on the Texas Gulf Coast. Prospects for a good winter wheat pasture season are becoming less likely as drought conditions expand throughout the southern plains. Oklahoma State University Livestock Marketing Specialist Dr. Daryl Peel says this could have national implications for the cattle market
5: we're at kind of a critical stage right now the doors closing pretty rapidly on uh, winter wheat pasture here we've got quite a bit of wheat that's in a lot of it's up and actually some of it still looks okay but it's beginning to go backwards pretty quickly so if we don't get some significant moisture in just the next few days then uh, we're really going to lose possibilities for decent winter forage
1: and peel says at this time of year what happens in the southern plains has a national impact on on cattle prices.
5: We are home to a lot of cattle from around the country at this time of the year, so that's one of the factors that's kind of weighing on markets right now. Of course, it's the time of year when we expect some seasonal pressure, but in the central and southern plains, if we have good wheat pasture conditions, that sort of offsets that seasonal low. We're seeing a little bit more of that pressure right now, partly because of the dry conditions, partly because we've got some other things happening in cattle and beef markets that are also weighing on the market a little bit. If there is little to no
1: winter wheat pasture this year, POC says that could change the timing for feeder cattle to enter the supply chain. The seasons are definitely changing all across Texas, and that's very apparent in the central Texas blacklands. Dr. Shane McClellan has more from Waco.
3: Other than a few hotter than normal days, there is an obvious change of seasons in the blacklands. A steady breeze coupled with overcast skies does make it feel like fall. The only thing we are missing is the moisture. There have been a few days of 90 plus degree warm, you know, really warm days, but most days we start out in the 50s and 60s and then we warm up. Uh, those cooler mornings are a reminder that fall is knocking on the door. Central Texas grain producers are planting wheat that they will harvest for grain. They are having to dust in the seed due to the dry conditions. Many have been waiting for a rain and none of our grain farmers are really in a hurry to dry plant their wheat seed. They're putting it in the ground, and we're only really hoping for a rain. Uh, Wheat planting will continue about till mid-November. The extended cotton harvest is complete, uh, or at least almost. Wet weather did push our cotton harvest later than it should have been. Uh, into September, we had some rains, and uh, we were seeing a lot of module trucks and round bales on the road headed to the gin yard, but not near as frequent as they were. Uh, see a few stragglers now and then, but most of our cotton has been harvested. Armyworm pressure has decreased, but if we do receive a rain, producers should continue to be aware and just be on the lookout for new hatches. Our livestock pastures do not look as good as they did three weeks ago. Big change. Uh, Dry south wind has pulled a lot of our available top soil moisture away, and that has left a lot of our ryegrass that did emerge from those September rains. The ryegrass is now dwindling and drying down. I do want to say thank you to all the volunteers that worked out at the Heart of Texas Fair. Great event. A lot of volunteers worked there at the ExtraCo event Center to host a program that allowed 4-H and FFA youth to compete and earn scholarship dollars. Uh, again, big thank you to all those volunteers. Until next time, this has been Dr. Shane McLellan from Waco.
1: The cotton industry is launching a new sustainability initiative called the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. Tom Nicoletti takes another look at this new program.
4: On our show again today is Ken Burton, the Programming Engagement and Enrollment Manager for the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. The ongoing Trust Protocol recruitment campaign is for farmers, mills and manufacturers, brands and retailers, plus merchants and cooperatives.
6: This program is engaging the entire supply chain from field to fabric. And it starts with the grower again, Where by he being a part of the program and documenting his practices, the data that's entered into our program will be aggregated and be available for the supply chain at the end, whether it's the manufacturers or the brands and retailers. They'll be able to recognize through this aggregated data how the U.S. growers have been continuously improving. There's no other group of producers in the world that has this much technology and this much data that can help validate impact claims by brands and retailers.
4: Is there a cost to join?
6: For the producers there is absolutely no no fee, no cost whatsoever. It's just a little time of theirs. I understand the uh, producers' time is critical for them mm-hmm. and um but I, I can share with you that as they are enrolling in the in the program, there's a self-assessment that they have to take which is 120 questions. They're defined standards and as they're Answering the questions, it takes about 30 to 45 minutes for them to complete that component of the program. There's a second area that they have to um, be part of, and that's the uh, entering uh, field-level data into the field-to-market field field print calculator. And so they're entering a minimum of 10% of their cotton acreage into this calculator. That, too, takes a little time. It's uh, probably about 20 to 25 minutes to input that field-level data.
4: Consumers are wanting more transparency when it comes to the products uh, they purchase, uh, including those uh, made from cotton fiber. So the Trust Protocol documents and verifies each uh, farmer's sustainability progress through a sophisticated data collection platform developed by Field to Market. Talk about the Field to Market and how that uh, will be uh, part of this overall protocol uh, nationwide.
6: Fill the Market is a a, a nonprofit organization based out of Washington, D.C. It's all about sustainable agricultural practices. And, and again, teaching, uh, um, reminding everyone about this continuous improvement message. And um, it it involves many commodities, uh, many crops that are involved in it. And and Fill the Market involves from growers all the way to retailers as well, and agribusinesses and academia. So it's a multi-stakeholder organization. We're enrolling producers as we speak. Uh, we have the goal for the 2020 season, which is being harvested now. We have the goal of 500 to 750 producers to be a part. It's easy to be a part. Uh, just go to the website, www.trustuscotton.org. You have to enroll and then put in some contact information as well as a password and then enter as a member and start the process.
4: That is Ken Burton with the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio
1: Network.
2: Where can you find scaled quail or bobwhite quail in Texas? I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll answer that question on Texas Ag Today.
1: And gastric ulcers are commonly diagnosed in horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at this common problem coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: We're keeping you informed on
1: everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag today. Gastric ulcers are very common in horses. Thanks to some new tools we have to diagnose them, veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer
7: look at this common problem. Dr. Al Merritt from the University of Florida indicates that 50 to 90% of horses suffer from gastric ulcers, and performance and race horses are the most susceptible. The horse has two stomach regions and therefore can have two different causes of ulcers in the non-glandular and glandular portions. The glandular portion is very acidic at a pH of 1 to 2, while the non-glandular portion has a neutral pH of 5 to 7. Horses produce gastric acid whether they are eating or not, and when eating, saliva is produced that increases the pH. This is fine for horses grazing 24 hours a day, but not with horses in stalls fed just twice a day. Common clinical signs are poor appetite, dullness, attitude changes, decreased performance, poor body condition, and colic pain. It has been shown that horses on a high concentrate ration and those kept in stalls are more susceptible to ulcers than those out grazing on pasture. Those eating a diet with less hay and more grain are more likely to develop ulcers so feeding more hay and more turnout is a good idea. Using slow feeders that require horses to eat smaller amounts frequently will decrease the chance of ulcers. Although there are numerous supplements available over the counter for prevention and treatment of stomach ulcers, proof of efficacy is not required to market them since the products are classified as supplements and not drugs. The products GastroGuard and UlcerGuard are the only products that are FDA-approved and proven to treat and prevent gastric ulcers. Before using a supplement to treat or prevent ulcers, Dr. Merritt recommends to look for scientific data and not just testimonials from horse owners. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Quail
1: numbers are down in Texas this year due to a variety of factors. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report.
2: Quail populations in parts of Texas are lower this year due to drought, the amount of suitable habitat, and other factors. For more on this year's quail season outlook and where you can find which types of quail, we are joined by John McLaughlin, West Texas Quail Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department.
8: Certainly the two most abundant quail in the state, species of state, are northern bobwhites and scale quail. And so, In terms of range expansion or contraction, we've generally seen over the last 30 to 40 years is that bobwhite has slowly been pushed out of east Texas. So there's been kind of a a shifting line of of where we see bobwhite. You don't see many bobwhites east of I-35 anymore. We do see bobwhites pushing out west a little bit farther as some of the brush encroaches into that high plains, that short grassland area. But in terms of moving north and south, we're pretty well covered up from south Texas all the way across the Red River into Oklahoma. And there are some birds in North Texas outside of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but those populations tend to be smaller. In terms of scale quail populations, with that brush encroachment that's been happening in Western Texas, we've seen actually their range contract a little bit from east to west. And then down in South Texas, we have another subspecies of scale quail called the chestnut-bellied scale quail, And we've seen declines in their populations over time, and that's just a result of changing land use, changing habitat conditions over time.
2: Quail hunting season in Texas kicks off Saturday and runs through February 28th. There's a daily bag limit of 15 birds and a possession limit of 45 birds. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmull.
1: The cattle market continues to slowly recover from that bloodbath we saw last week. Another higher close on Thursday in cattle futures. The grains and cotton markets, however, close lower. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it here on Texas Ag Today.
3: know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit oli.org.
0: We're giving you the market information you need
1: on Texas Ag Today. We're continuing to see recovery in the cattle futures market this week after that big drop off we had last week. We close with December live cattle jumping 330 to close at 107.97, February live cattle up 267. 110.37. 11037 feeder cattle higher also november feeders up a $1. dollar 82 72 the january up a $1. dollar 40 35 one reason for the jump in those live cattle futures may be a higher cash trade this week we did see some 106 sales in texas and kansas the packers finally had to up their bids a couple of bucks to trigger those sales but those sales were very light Still looks like most of the feedlots are holding out for higher money. They're asking 108 this week, so we'll wait and see what they get. Up north, asking prices on the rail at 168. Boxed beef prices higher. Choice up a dollar dollars 20729, select up $1.99, dollar 99, 19157. Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions around Texas now. Caldwell Livestock Commission, Caldwell, Texas, selling 502 head this week. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.25 to $1.47 a pound. Three to 400 pounders, $1.30 to $1.60. Four to five weight steers, $1.25 to $1.67 dollar 5 to 600 pounders $1.15 fifteen to a 6 to 700 pounders a dollar to $1.22, with 7 to eight weight steers bringing 95 to a1.47 a pound. Slaughter cows 30 to 57 cents. Slaughter bulls 61 to 89. Stocker cows brought 500 to 900 ahead. Gillespie Livestock Company, Fredericksburg, Texas, selling 376 head this week. The trend steady to higher. Two to 300-pound steers, $1.40 to $1.60. Three to four weights, same price range, $1.40 to $1.60. Four to 500-pounders, $1.30 to $1.60 a pound. Five to 600-pounders, $1.20 to $1.50 6 to 7 weights brought a dollar 15 to a dollar 32 and the heavy 7 to 8 weight steers a dollar 10 to a dollar 20 a pound slaughter cows 30 to 60 cents slaughter bulls 75 to 80 stocker cows brought 600 to 950 ahead now back over to the futures market where lean hogs closed lower december down 75 cents 65 62 february lean hogs down 60 at 65 60. Class 3 milk was mixed, November milk up 33 cents, 23, 26, 100 weight. The cotton market closed lower on some follow-through selling from yesterday's big drop. Of course, we do have some fairly positive fundamental news out there. USDA releasing its Thursday export sales report looking fairly good, showing Pakistan as the top buyer. Also Hurricane Zeta tearing through Louisiana and Mississippi. No telling what the damage will be to that mid-south and southeastern cotton crop. We close with December cotton down 35 points, 69.82. The March down 23 at 70.80 cents. It was a fairly quiet trade in the wheat market. Kansas City wheat closing slightly lower. December wheat down one and a quarter, 5.42 a bushel. New crop July wheat down three quarters, 5.59 and a half. December corn down three cents. Three ninety-eight and a half. In the energy markets, December natural gas up a penny, three thirty. December crude oil down a dollar nine, thirty-six thirty a barrel. The financial markets higher. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up two hundred fifty-eight points at twenty-six thousand seven hundred seventy-eight. The Nasdaq up 246, 11,251. The S&P five hundred up fifty-six, three thousand three hundred twenty-seven. that's a look at the markets and that wraps up yet another edition of texas ag today we thank you so much for listening don't forget you can catch us right back here tomorrow where we'll be bringing you the latest news in texas agriculture i'm carrie martin and this is texas ag today thanks for listening to
0: texas ag today be sure to subscribe to our podcast on apple podcasts google podcasts or spotify